Hello everybody and welcome to the first episode of Bitchin' Brew for 2019. Uh, my name is Danny Randon, I am your host and this is a podcast about music, life and everything in between. And I realise for first time listeners and imagine there's a few of those today due to our guest that that is quite an ambiguous tagline. Basically if you've not listened before I sit down with musicians that I like or people in the music industry and we just chat about whatever the fuck we want to chat about. That's basically what podcasts are about aren't they but um before we get into this one i must um first of all apologize for the state of my voice um if i sound a bit huskier than usual it's because i'm currently playing the role of pitiful man flu patient um but the show must go on and i'll try and get through this intro without making horrible phlegmy spluttering noises in your ears um, I could just edit the coughing out, to be honest, but, you know, because of the man flu, I'm completely incapacitated and I couldn't possibly go through that ordeal. Um, but I also, uh, before we get into this, just want to say a, a very quick but sincere thank you uh, to everyone who checked out and shared the Albums of 2018 special at the end of last year, especially the bands who who made the list and, and shared it to their fans. Thank you very much, guys. Um it's the third time I've been able to do an Albums of the Year special on Bitch and Brew, and it's always a highlight of the year for me. The The 2018 one was no exception. I had an excellent time recording it with the wonderful Brad Thorne. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, I no worries. I appreciate December's mad for everyone. Um, it is available on all the usual listening platforms in two mammoth parts, um, which you can take a listen to while you're waiting for the first big releases of 2019, because there's not really, well, I know it's really dead early in the year, but we've got a couple of weeks to wait until the uh, the first big releases, I suppose. Um, thanks also to Brad for his for his time and his effort too in, uh, you know, putting together a top 20 list and all the stuff for the bonus awards too. And it's hopefully... Not the last time you hear his dulcet tones on Bitchin' Brew. Um, Onwards to this episode, though, and I still can't believe this is a thing I can can now say. Um, My guest for this episode, which is episode number 34, by the way, I haven't said, if I haven't said that yet, uh, my guest is... Uh, Raul Reynolds, uh, who a lot of you will probably know as the frontman and programmer, keyboardist, synthesizerer. That's probably not a word, is it? Synth player, let's say. Synthesizer player. That's it. Let's let's go with that. Not synthesizerer. That's stupid. Um, trumpeter, guitarist, and all-round lovely bloke from the band Enter Shikari. Um, I think it's safe to say that Rao is, is the biggest guest I've had on the podcast thus far. Um, I think the bar was set last year by Ash, who are my favourite band ever, if you didn't know that. Uh, and they've had number one albums and headline Glastonbury in the past, admittedly accidentally, uh, if you listen to the, the sort of anecdote from that podcast. But um, without meaning any disrespect to Ash... In more of a contemporary time frame, I'd argue that Enter Shikari are bigger. Um, their last three albums, I think, have got into the top ten at the very least. I know a couple of them are in the top five. Uh, they've become a mainstay of uh, festival main stages um, for a good few years now. And they're playing arenas on a regular basis. And... I think especially for people around my age, Enter Shikari are an incredibly important and kind of game-changing band. They're so forward-thinking and radical and totally unique. 
um, and always catch you off guard. And I've loved them for, for well over a decade. So to get the opportunity to sit down with Raul, who... You know, someone a lot along with the other members of Shikari. Um, I had a poster of, of them on my wall when I was thirteen. Um, it's just nuts. It's obviously like brilliant, and I'm super proud of it. But it's still hard to believe that this is actually a thing I can present to you today. So, um, as you can tell, it's probably the most gushy I've been on a podcast, even gushier than when I had Ash on. I think it was, you know, when I had Ash on, I I kind of met them a few times, and I go so far as to call them. Um, friends or acquaintances as such, um, whereas Rao I'd never met before, or never met properly at least, I think I met him in passing a couple of years ago at the Kerrang Awards, but there had been alcohol involved at that point in the evening. Um, this does take more of an interview structure than I usually prefer to take on here, um, I don't particularly mind that, it's just because there was so much to talk about, this was uh, recorded at the end of the, the first UK leg of the band's Stop the Clocks tour. Um, if you're listening on the day that I'm putting this out, the second leg of the UK tour starts tonight, the 10th of January, in Sheffield. Um, it's a fucking massive tour. They're visiting a lot of smaller venues than what the band are usually capable of filling these days. You know, they're usually playing... Um, you know arenas but you know these are considerably smaller venues Um, but the show is equally um, if not sort of more stunning than it is in that sort of larger setting and they talk a lot about bringing that large arena production to to smaller venues uh, in in my in my chat with Rao um I also wanted to talk to Rao about uh, the band's recent book The Spark Lyrics and Exegesis of Rao Reynolds uh, which was released at the tail end of last year to accompany their fifth album uh, which is also called The Spark and that came out in 2017 yeah got my body clock still all messed up from christmas but that came out in I think it may have been as far back as like September 2017 now, which is crazy to think it was that far back. But I really wanted to chat about that album itself uh, one one year plus um, on from the release. Um, it was an album that was quite divisive among the Shikari fan base, I think is fair to say. And admittedly, it was a slow burner for me. It took a good couple of months for it to... Um, to really sink its claws into me where their previous albums have been so instantaneous. But once I once I gave it time, I, I truly adored it, and I, I still do. It's, it's their most experimental record to date, um, whether that's sonically or thematically or, you know, lyrically. Um, and to say that for a band of Entishikari standards is just staggering. So, yeah, lots to talk about in this episode, and uh, we're going to get stuck in. Of course, if you like what you hear, then subscribe on the um, on the usual streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Acast, and um, go tell all your friends, eh? Eh? Oh, God, that's awful. I'm sorry. Blan- blame the man flu for bringing out the absolute worst in me and making an Shikari... And it's not even a pun. I don't know what that is. It was wanky, whatever it was. Um, this is usually the point where I play a song by the band, or like at the very least a snippet of the song. But me being me in the state I am at the moment, I completely forgot to get clearance to play anything by the band. But um, I trust that if, that if you are listening to this, then you know what Shikari sound like at this point. Um, so, you know, obviously just go and listen to the band elsewhere. But after you've listened to this, of course. Right. Enough jibber-jabber from me. This is a bitchin' brew, episode number 34, with none other than Raoul Reynolds from Enter Shikari. 
Well, before we um, uh, before we kind of officially, you know, do some sort of semblance of an introduction to this, I am recording now. But um, uh, I, I think it was, I think it's. I hope you don't mind me saying, really cool that uh, you have your awesome dad as your <laughs> as your tour manager, yeah. um, Keith. Yes, uh, he's a he's a great guy. I, I love he's... how when we were walking outside the venue, he said pop your coat on it's cold out there <laughs> <laughs> the, the paternal instincts are already <laughs> yeah yeah no we've had him for like uh well i mean he before any of us could drive before shikari was even a proper thing he was the one driving us to gigs in harlow and hitchin and all these little right. local uh places that we used to play um so he's, he's always been there or thereabouts and now he still tour manages us when we're in europe oh fantastic um, yeah yeah. Does he kind of keep you grounded? I mean, more in the metaphorical sense, I think he, less in the he, he enjo- you're grounded. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he he very much enjoys that side of the, yeah. the job. I think he's like he's more punk than any of us, right? Like, okay. Our whole crew. Like, if anyone gets some you know slight ideas above their station, he'll be gladly there to give you a slap. <laughs> no, get back, get your head out of the clouds, boy. Well, that kind of thing. Yeah, he loves that. It's great. I love that. I, I had my dad on the podcast recently. It's the only reason I sort of brought that uh, okay. up. I, I love, I love that we have a really sort of close relationship. Cool. But he's he's cool, much, much, much cooler than me. <laughs> he actually, when I told him this was happening, he was like, oh, can I come on? And I'm like, yeah. no, you've already been on. You've had your time. I was like, yeah, no, I'd really, I'd really love to... Love to do it. I'm like, oh, it's fine. He it's wants a- to be your co-presenter now. He does. He, he's trying to get in there every time now. <laughs> <laughs> he's desperate for it. I said I'd, I'd tell him about the time that um, you guys were playing the Electric Ballroom the same night that he his band uh, were playing the Underworld. Oh right. In Camden, and uh, I was really gutted to miss that kid because I think it was your demise and Let Live supporting. Yeah. On that tour, so it was back 2011, 2010, maybe. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, but I remember the support band were doing sort of a video tour diary. This on my dad's tour, where they were doing like little weekender shows in places like Crewe and York and. Mm. Uh, you know, sort of the much, much smaller venues, um, but they did a video of the queue waiting outside the electric ballroom and put it into their video. Brilliant. So it made it look like yeah. there were that many people queuing outside the underworld. Amazing. Of course, people who are maybe a little more camd and savvy would see the market and go... Yeah, yeah. Hold on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really long queue. It's yeah. going past the tube station. I'm not going to get in. <laughs> um, well, Ra, welcome to Bitchin' Brew. Um, and for being the the first guest of of 2019. Um, oh, cool. oh, well, we are recording this are we, in December. Right? Yeah. I was yeah. We like pretending. We're this. jumping forward sure. a little bit. Okay. Um, but you know, did you have a nice Christmas? I had a lovely <laughs> Christmas. It was it was very nice. First Christmas in my flat away from parent-in-laws and oh, okay. You know, living down here, it's really nice. And yeah. 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 How was your Christmas? Um. I, I kind of don't really know what it's going to be, to be honest. How how long is the tour sort of going up to? Because you you're going over to Scandinavia. This is the yeah. last leg of the UK, uh, the last show of the U, first UK leg. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we head head to Scandinavia tonight after the show, um, and we get back on the nineteenth, I think. So right. I've got a, a decent, you know, few weeks at home, mm. New Year's and everything. But yeah, I haven't really. It's just crept up. Like we've been so busy prep for this tour, I don't really know what I'm doing. I presume it would just be a normal. Like at home, my mm. parents, my brother, and his, his now fiance. Oh, um, thank you. well, congratulations yeah. to your brother. Yeah, yeah. nice. <laughs> if I he's if listening. I, if, I, yeah, if I ever did anything different for Christmas, my mum would just kill me. She's very much like, oh, right. Family has to be together. Yeah. 
And I love it anyway, so... What are the traditions? Uh, nothing really out there. It's all pretty, you know, lots of mulled wine, lots of Baileys, um, lots of food. Uh, For us, it's going to be Belgian beer this year, because I've recently oh, okay. started... I took on a second job and pulling pints at a Belgian bar around the corner from here. Oh, nice. So you get all the... Yeah, so I think I'm going to get a few bottles of um, of creaking some Belgian cherry beer, Ooh. which should be very, very nice indeed. Sounds delightful. Yeah, very festive. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, um, like we were saying, it's the last show of the first UK leg mm. on this tour. Uh, we're in Portsmouth. Um, yes. in the back lounge of your your very lovely tour bus yeah it's a rather salubrious bus um, it, it, I mean I could think of a hell of a lot worse places to get sort of cabin fever um, yeah you know, well you'd be surprised about that two day <laughs> drive you've got ahead of, of you of the two days yeah and the, well like you mentioned walking in the low ceilings yeah and the low light and the because they're all like tinted windows so it's like you don't really get daylight in here at all so oh. you, can, you just go mad right okay um, pretty quickly I mean, Portsmouth has kind of been um, a mainstay of your touring cycles, especially mm. the pyramids. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm, we've done this quite a few times. Yeah, now. it must be about five or six times you've done this place yeah. now. And um, I remember the first time I got into Shikari, it was around Take to Your Skies, and and you were playing this venue on the tour, and I was only about. 13 at the time right? Um, and I remember coming on a day out to Portsmouth and we were walking past the venue and I was like oh my god and Shikari playing there and I walked into the venue to, to see if there were any tickets left but the thing is I walked into the leisure centre part of it okay. and there were just these really sort of confused looking lifeguards like <laughs> um, I don't don't know what, what that is mate I'm really yeah, sorry yeah. I felt like a bit of an arse enter who? Yeah. enter Shakira <laughs> yeah classic <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, that is the. Um, well, it's close to that on the download 2007. I think was the first time I saw you guys on the back of my download 2007 T-shirt. Is entered Eri. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Damn. I nearly went off on one of the Metal. merch people. Like, <laughs> it's not their fault. Bless them. Bless them to bits. What's What's the worst? misspelling you've you've ever seen of it i suppose shakira well, you get you get a lot it's normally uh shakiri right yeah so um, like the one which i had yeah. isn't a word not yeah. that most people think shakari isn't a word either but, no <laughs> um, is I it think, sanskrit uh, it, uh there's a few languages oh so there's the same well roughly the same pronunciation is in Japanese which means I can't remember I think it's like a it's some character in a cartoon or something okay but I first found it um, for various like um, Indian languages because um, mm. my uncle had a boat which was called Shikari oh was like, that's a cool word so yeah. it means the hunter um, I, I remember it being the hunter or the warrior or yeah. something of that yeah that um, park. No, the, I think the best one we've been called is uh, and it was actually spelt how I'm pronouncing it as well. It's enter she curry. So S H E curry. And I mean, like when it's that wrong, it's like what? That must be a, like a joke. So you must knowingly like, yeah. spell it like that. What's but no, it was, it was yeah, it was, that was brilliant. Enter she curry. Bolst it up to that extent. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, you are playing the pyramids tonight, and. Um, uh, this is the end, of, as we've said before, the end of the sort of first UK leg on mm. the Stop the Clocks tour, because you know it has two UK legs, which is yeah incredible. Um, <laughs> how, has it got to the point in the tour where you've realised that with the length of the tour, you guys are in well over your heads yet? 
No, no, we're all still um, pretty sprightly at the moment. Um, I mean, we've only had, what is this, like, this eighth show, I think? Right. Um, and, yeah, as I say, we've got a few weeks off for Christmas, New Year, so I think I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's kind of a nice sort of bookend to, yeah. the, to the end and the start of the year, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me this question in March, yeah, I we might be like, I've been in Southampton. I've had enough, get me out of here. <laughs> like, yeah, who knows? I love I love that uh, the the sort of the extent the sort of extensive nature of the tour mm. it kind of gets rid of that because you see it online all the time you know you've always been quite an extensively touring band but when bands tour and people aren't playing directly on their doorstep yeah they receive so much ire on oh, we especially on it. social media I had one the other night why aren't you playing Bournemouth and why aren't you playing because we're playing Portsmouth Where and there's... Southampton and yeah, Exeter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean you know I, I sort of I empathise with a lot of people who who live in those cities that aren't the sort of major touring circuit because mm. at the moment especially the last few years it's felt like a lot of bands are just opting for the main cities um, I don't know I think well one I think there's a lot of like ambition in rock music again which is really cool mm. um but two, I think, you know, maybe economically it's just easier to do the big cities. Um, and that's tough because it's the smaller cities that are having all their venues shut down anyway and have, yeah. you know, with the Tory government, there's like no funding for like local youth services and music and, and entertainment. So it's, it's, it's really the smaller cities that suffer. Yeah. Um, so for us, having done the, our last UK tours were arena sized venues, mm. we were like, okay, no, we want to go back the small cities like play everywhere do it fucking like properly like we did like five years ago or something yeah um are there any cities you haven't visited yet that are on this tour because i know you're doing places like keel and inverness and are you, are you did through yeah didn't you? i think we have actually played perhaps not every venue but in every city before that we're right. doing um but it's still nice to return to some oh of for places. sure i mean I'll, I'll forget anyway you know like <laughs> for me if something was like six months ago or lo- further than further than six months ago it could be like six years ago my memory right. is just shocking so i i don't remember a lot of venues they all sort of blur into one mm. i'm not sure if we've done clandadno before um, is that who i was gonna say landadno and probably there's definitely a, a, probably, a at the beginning of it yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I th- um, I think we've done Hull, we've done, yeah, I think we've done pretty much every every other place. Cool. Well, going back to the sort of size of the venues, um, you know, like you were saying, the last tour is was in arena-sized venues, and, mm. and you've been there before, you've obviously done Alexandra Palace twice before, mm. um, and you've done the arena circuit, and I think something that doesn't happen so often is when, especially British bands, those sort of once in a blue moon when a British band graduates to arena sized venues for the first time mm. that's where they kind of stay at least for a little while but with Shikari it's been really refreshing to see that you've kind of never forgotten your roots mm. if that makes sense yeah. so especially with the sort of production that, um, uh, that a Shikari show sort of always has how important is it for you to kind of return to those the smaller venues like here at the pyramids mm. or you know elsewhere and, and and create that sort of multi-sensory experience as a shikari show no matter what the size of the venue is well, i mean for me it's like they're two it's weird it's a bit of a juxtaposition they're, they're two very different scenarios different environments you know an arena to a well this is actually one of the biggest venues on the tour but right like, okay um, yeah. <laughs> you know when you're playing like where were we the other night like a 700 cap place in exeter like yeah 
they're very very different but at their core it's still the same atmosphere it's the same you know people are coming together to it's like the only place that I think in modern life where you come together indiscriminately and celebrate art and mm. life or whatever it, whatever it is um, you know with the with the downfall of, of religion and that sort where it's discriminate anyway right, this yeah. is this feels like I don't know it it fills me with with like pride almost or like mm. or just like joy and gratitude that we, we get to do this yeah so then to be able to do the larger arena venues where we're we're very much creating the environment we're bringing in this mm. production you know we did the quadraphonic sound the surround sound um all, all the, the the lighting and stuff was we spent ages programming that right. and making sure it was all in sync and had all you know went through all these stages throughout the set it was almost like a narrative running through the whole set so that that's it becomes quite theatrical and then to have the complete other side of the coin i think it, it's a good test for us because it because here in a venue like this it's just simple again it's back yeah. to a band playing music and just in a sweaty you know rock yeah. environment and and, and it does get sweaty get, here yeah, this well, is one of the hottest venues I think I've ever been in. <laughs> it doesn't help where it's next to a swimming pool and all the, you know, constantly smells of chlorine. Yeah, yeah. And it just feels like you're in a, a literal sauna. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I just, I never want to let go of that side of mm. us. Like, I remember seeing, I'm not in any way comparing my band to this band, but like, I, I remember seeing Coldplay um, at the Emirates Stadium in London, and um, I thought it was incredible. Like, I'm, I'm, people find it quite astonishing but I'm quite a big Coldplay fan like I think they're brilliant but um, then I saw them at the um, Borderline in Camden so like 200 cap and it was awful it was just like it was really (laughs) awkward and weird and it was like they'd completely lost touch with that style of performing and Mm. that sort of environment and um, I don't want that (laughs) <laughs> basically no. I don't want to ever be like that Like um, you, you want to feel that same you know you were saying about the core and the energy you want to feel yeah. that same core existing yeah. within Ali Pali mm. um, and then also in somewhere like the Joiners which yeah. you played this year it had been a long time since you played the Joiners as well. oh damn yeah very long I'm time. so gutted I missed that show because mm-hmm. I can it's just fine. imagine it being pretty chaotic yeah I think well, I mean to be honest that, that's another good example because like, at that show I had like really bad anxiety because we hadn't played right. a show that small for ages and mm. I got far more nervous before that show than I would playing a festival you know in front of 40,000 people or something that's interesting so it's, it's yeah. yeah it becomes quite a just psychologically a very interesting thing mm. to experience <laughs> um, but yeah so it's, it's it's I enjoy all types of shows and I think mm. we're I, I count myself quite lucky to be able to experience both ends of the spectrum yeah um, well staying on the, the, the topic I suppose of, of the live shows because I saw your headline set at 2000 Trees this year oh cool and I thought it was absolutely terrific really good. thank you thank that you was such much. a wanky word to use to Ter- bloody terrific bloody terrific <laughs> bloody good job well done no, I appreciate sir. it it was a um, lot of fun and I saw a little bit of your forest set as well oh, cool. which felt very sort of like it was it you've not really done the solo thing no. very much before no it was weird I yeah I, the setting was incredible I mean it was in the middle of a woods it was like this clearing yeah uh, absolutely beautiful environment and they somehow I think there was about a thousand 
people just like sitting in it was the busiest the forest had been all weekend absolutely ridiculous like I just went back you know people climbing up trees to get a shot of the stage like I've, I've yeah I've never played anywhere like that it was like I'd picked up my guitar and was playing in the middle of centre parks or something like, it's <laughs> ridiculous um, oh man it's been ages since I've been to a centre park yeah, yeah yeah me too <laughs> but that that was incredible um, yeah it was weird because it was literally the first time doing a, a, a big solo performance like that I've done like little charity things here and there yeah, in yeah. London or whatever but um, yeah I did another one the other week actually uh, for the launch of um the lyric book for the spark mm. and that went so much better so I feel like getting there with the solo thing like yeah. at some point I'll try and do was that the signature brew yes uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah not really, been really there cool yet spot. they do great beers yes well, certainly you've, do. Done a, you've done a beer with them before we right? have yeah yeah hopefully we're going to do another one with them wicked soon. I, I, my, uh, this was spoken about on the podcast with my dad so I'm going to repeat myself dear listener right. um, but uh, he went to download one year where that beer was on sale Wicked. and he brought me back a bottle but yeah. the bottle was empty oh like you the bastard. thought was there yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he meant it with love yeah I yeah. really enjoyed this beer for you <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the uh, 2000 trees aside um, the festival headlines that I wanted to talk about just briefly um, was Slam Dunk last year and the, oh, the okay. celebration of Take to Your Skies mm. Um, which was incredible, and the the production Thank and the you. and the light show and and everything about it, and um, hearing songs that I never heard live before was a really right. magical experience for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shikari doesn't really strike me as the band to try to be too reflective of the past. No. Um, and uh, apologies if I'm assuming wrong that you would try and do anything in your power to stop yourself becoming a quote-unquote nostalgia band. Yeah, yeah. So doing a, a <laughs> retrospective set like that, was that quite a weird experience for you? Yeah, it was, um, Yeah, we've never done any, anything like that before. Mm. Um, I think just because it was the first album, um, you know, we wouldn't be here today if that one didn't take off the way it did. Yeah. So it felt like we had to just like stick a flag in the ground you know and just mm. like for, for a, we we granted ourselves you know what was it we did like a two weeks of shows um in europe and then you went over to the states in, in the states yeah. yeah and then uh slam dunk in the uk we just thought yeah let's just let's just take a month to celebrate and look mm. back and go actually fucking hell we've uh we're yeah. still here for one <laughs> that's that's incredible but like we're still growing so it's it's ridiculous. I'll, um, I'll, I'll hold on hoping that we maybe get a common dreads retrospective. Right. Well, I mean, there's a few in the sets tonight. Oh, uh, in, in yeah, a few tracks mm. in the set. Gaff in the fence, havoc. Um, oh wow, fantastic. Definitely. I'll step up. So some um, of the sort of deeper cuts from common yeah. dreads, which is yeah. I mean, step up. I, I I've been campaigning to play again <laughs> for about eight years. I think was the last time I played. Um, but yeah, finally we uh, we decided to bring that one back out. Hey guys, Danny here. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. I'm just dropping in to remind you that if you like what you're hearing, then you can subscribe to Bitchin' Brew on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and Acast. 
Uh, the link to do so is in the description for this episode. Uh, if you are a new listener, and like I said at the beginning, I'd imagine there's a lot of you there today because of Rao, um, then we've got loads of other chats that you may be interested in checking out from bands such as Milk Teeth, who recently opened for them on this tour, um, Black Peaks, who are about to open for them on the next UK tour, um, Father Son, uh, Ash, as I mentioned earlier, uh, The Excerpts, Haggard Cat, Puppy, Jamie Lenman, The Dirty Nil, Nervous, Palm Reader, Wallflower, Mallory Knox, um, so many excellent guests. So if you like what you're hearing, uh, subscribe, go and check out the old episodes, maybe even share this with your friends on social media, tweet me to let you know you've enjoyed it, it's at Bitchin Brewcast. Um, and if you're super generous, then leave a positive review on the Apple Podcasts app. That way, uh, Bitch and Brew gets more exposure to the world while I try and save uh, my pennies to build an advertising budget. Um, right, that's my groveling bit over. Back to my chat with Raul Reynolds. So let's talk about um, the Spark uh, one, over one year on now. Mm. Um, and again, going back to what I was saying earlier, have you... Um, taken much time or even had much of a chance to reflect on the sort of artistic uh, your sort of artistic achievements through the spark yeah i mean i'm it's still i guess that the test of an album is if like a year later you still feel like your latest album was the the best right and i still very much like feel that i don't like i don't think we would ever release an album that we didn't think okay this is this, yeah. this beats everything we've done or at least is is new and exciting and mm. different and taking the band in an interesting direction and that's kind of what we aim to do with with every album um you know that that might be sort of what limits us in a in a way because our music is so like vehemently diverse like and we we try and we have so many different like inspirations from the whole musical spectrum yeah. that people often just can't get a grip on what we are mm. so they they almost i don't know just put it to the side yeah. like, oh, I, I'll, I'll try and get into that in a bit when i've got more time because you know everyone's attention spans now are just well that's very the, very small so that's the thing because it felt like for the first time especially when it came out that the spark was almost quite polarizing mm. um amongst amongst your fan base certainly you know um uh, because it was arguably the most experimental record mm. that you'd done up to this point. Um, it's kind of and, the and most gentle, the, I think, yeah, as well. And, and most, also, like, I suppose, the least instantaneous. If, right. if, if I may speak candidly, it of took course, me yeah, a, yeah. A, 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 quite a while to, for the the whole album as a sort of whole body, complete body of work to really click with me. Yeah. I'm really glad it did in the end, but I don't... But that's it. what I mean. Like, I think a lot of people don't have that time or don't give their time mm. to something that doesn't click instantaneously because well for one people just don't have the time we're yeah. all like fucking too busy aren't we yeah but um so so in a way that makes me even more thankful and uh, more aware of the passion and the effort that our time yeah. that our fan base has to put in because i think we're we're a bit different from other bands like that you know mm. a lot you know one and we're if we're at the experimental end of the spectrum at the other end there's the, the bands that have literally released the same album over and over again yeah. and I think a lot of people are used to that um, and so it, it makes me extremely thankful that people have actually put the time in and do mm. actually still you know follow us and support us uh, the one track I wanted to talk about from um, 
from the Spark in particular. Um, it actually came up, you know that thing where Spotify uh, does the 2018 wrapped and it shows yeah. you your top five artists and top five yeah, songs? Yeah. Have you done it yet? Uh, I haven't done my personal one. Oh, no. okay. No, I need to. If you had to have a guess, it. what was the most. Oh, blimey. To this year? Um, it'll be hard to think about the whole year mm. um, because my memory's so shit. I definitely have absolutely played uh, the latest Father Son album to death over the last it's few fantastic. months. Fantastic. It's a great um, album. Friends that, of the that podcast. Would be up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. Um. Yeah, I don't know what else. I'd have to. Yeah, I'll have to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what the reason I say is because in my top five songs was uh, Shinrin Yoku. Oh, amazing! I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Let's go for that. Um, and I was sort of, I I found myself really sort of delving into what Shinrin Yoku is, and obviously, if if you if you are listening and you don't know what it is, it's it's the Japanese meditative art of forest walking. Yes, isn't that right? Now you've uh, been to Japan a few times. You've toured Japan mm. a few times with Shikari. Have you ever, have you ever um, indulged in a bit of Shinrin Yoku out there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, it's not um, some sort of grand um, thing you have to be taught or something. It's right. not like you know Tai Chi or Feng yeah. Shui or something like. It's, it's a, not like a you have to pay for a retreat or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you absolutely can, and there is a lot of that. But yeah. I think it's it's more. Um, I think it's like a, a mindset that tries to draw us out of the fast-paced, you know, consumerism sort of modern way of life, yeah. and and start looking at nature as this like life-giving, life-affirming um, source, mm-hmm. rather than just this thing that is just there that we're destroying and, <laughs> and yeah. using and knocking down. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's just just about also getting away from the yeah the fast paced you know mm. phones in our hands all the yeah. time sort of thing and which I myself am being able to breathe guilty and, of oh yeah no me yeah. me too um, yeah so we yeah we were lucky enough to do that in Japan and I think for me it's just like I spend a lot of time in enclosed places like right. this and and you know travelling in trains and buses and planes and small hotel rooms and things like that so yeah. it's like when there's ever a chance to get out into a wood and, and fucking breathe yeah uh, I yeah jump at that well the uh, the, the beauty the I, I imagine this is the polar opposite of suffocation mm. and my lungs seem to gain extra capacity yeah there. yeah I, I think it's one of your most lyrically poignant moments and oh. I think that that's the, the whole record that's kind of um uh you know what you've you've been very sort of vocal about um about your experiences with general anxiety disorder mm. um, do you mind speaking about no, this? No, of course not. Yeah, it's no. fine. Anything. Um, and what I've noticed since the spark coming out, seeing your performances like going to Two Thousand Trees and and seeing that is is sort of um, you suddenly becoming. You've always sort of been very close with the the crowd at Shikari Show on a sort of on a physical level, but I I sort of what I witnessed there at Two Thousand Trees was you almost connecting with the crowd on on more of an emotional level, the sort okay. of beyond the line of sight than than you ever had before, and you sort of composed yourself in what I saw as much more confident. Um, would you say yeah, that's yeah. something that you have kind of experienced um, as a result of kind of creating an album that's, you know, as personal as, as The Spark? I see what you mean. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, it, it's an album that I couldn't have made at any other point, as mm. much as I probably would have wanted to, especially musically. Like, it was something that 
I've wanted to do for a while. It was in that way. It felt like our post-punk moment. It was like, no, we don't want to be hemmed in as just this noisy band. That's never what we be. Yeah. We're, we're, we're we have a very broad um, sort of range. You don't want to be constantly known for <laughs> yabba dabba do one song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I but I think lyrically, I I had to have experienced sort of twenty fifteen twenty sixteen, um, and a very sort of rich, uh, powerful and uh, ultimately horrible experiences <laughs> yeah. that I had over those yeah. few years. But they, I had to go through that in order to make the spark, basically. Mm. So I think after I'd managed to have this new outlet and managed to write an album like that, it did give me a, a lot more confidence. Mm. Um, I think even just like speaking about these things online and, and just, for me, the the difference was, was probably like 2014, 2015, when I actually found out what, in terms of mental health, what things were. Mm. So I, I'd sort of struggled through most of my, most of my early 20s, most of my mid 20s, um, just not really knowing what was wrong with me, or right. not even necessarily wrong, no, 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 you know, what, what the things I had to sort of deal with, I just thought, that's just me, mm. I'm just, this is just how I am, I'm just weird or whatever. <laughs> um, and then, you know, when you can put a, a label on something and then you can work out some sort of toolbox and okay this can help me deal with this and this is well you know you can um you can start to gain a bit more control i think mm. over your your life um and so yeah it, it definitely just made me feel a bit more in touch with myself yeah and a bit more uh just gave me more scope and more ability to be able to uh perform when i wasn't feeling like performing or mm. anything like that so yeah no it definitely helped it, it's it, i've been you know i can speak candidly about this on here for some bizarre reason um you know i've been i've been experiencing a particularly bad spell of anxiety myself lately and um this is the first time i've started having like physical manifestations of anxiety oh, okay. yeah. like I, I was at work the other day and i started experiencing some like tightness in my chest yeah it's scary yeah, very yeah. scary <laughs> but um you know it's it's i think why an album like the spark has resonated with me in such a way so um so thank you um, oh, no. um let, let, obviously um you mentioned earlier about uh, the new lyric book that you've released or lyrics mm. and exegesis yeah yes yeah. um <laughs> And uh, this, if I'm right in thinking, is a sort of continuation of the Dear Future Historians book. Yeah, Am I yeah. correct? So you put out a book around the time of the Mind Sweep, which basically covered your entire discography and the, yeah. the lyrics of every song you'd released mm -hmm. uh, uh, up to that time, which is a lot of fucking songs when you think yes. about it. Um, yeah. So did you feel like you really had to... I mean, where did the idea first come from to, to you know, put a book out about the... Um, about the sort of deeper meanings behind your lyrics well, in the first place with Dear Future Historians. Yeah, well, we, we wanted to do a, li a lyric book, which mm. was at first just going to be the lyrics. Because mm. um, it's a very important part to our band. Like, it's we're not a band, you know, in, in a lot of pop music and a lot of rock music, you just write lyrics that fit the syllables and sound good. And yeah. that's fine. And, you know, sometimes that's what gets the, the most catchiest line. Um, but our band has always been about like real honesty like mm. I think hopefully that's re reflects in the way we, ma we make our music we make music that's very important to us that you know the inspirations that we've had from 
growing up as a kid, like playing the trumpet, um, to growing up listening to Motown, to punk, to all these various things, it, that comes out in the music because that's just what flows through yeah. my body. That's what comes out naturally. It's honest. It's it's real. Um, and that's the, always been the same with the lyrics. Um, and I haven't been afraid to, you know, make lyrics that are either edging on political and philosophical and almost grandiose you know like I'd, I don't for me this is like this is my outlet this is my diary this mm-hmm. is uh, the the doorway into my head so lyrics are really important um, and then as I was do, as we were making this lyric book we were like maybe we should actually just put like little ex- explanations here and there um, because as as much as I like it when people take music and take lyrics and put their own meaning behind it and it you know they make the song their own effectively i think that's beautiful that's what art is is essentially it's a gift um that you give to people and then they take it and make it their own but at the same time i think as a as me growing up as a fan of bands and artists i would have loved to have known what they meant and what were their specific inspirations and so i just thought fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna make an essay for each fucking song we've ever done <laughs> and then about six months later i wanted to kill myself because it was, it was so you, difficult have you ever been scared of becoming over analytical and uh, to the point at no. which you, you i i am actually like quite like you know how people say like um that oh, there's very there's various phrases and i can't remember any of them now um, you know, to, to analyse something is to take away the magic, you know, essentially, mm. that that sort of thing. I'm actually completely the opposite from that. Yeah. I think it was um, Beethoven that said, um, was it Beethoven? I think it was Beethoven. Um, don't only practice your art, like, go into it, like, discover every, like, nook and cranny of it. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> he probably worded it far more uh, beautifully and elaborately than that. Um, but yeah. Uh, that I think that's really important to me. That's almost a, the way I make music as well. Like we're very, very scientific about it, and I, I I don't think that takes away any soul from it at all. I don't think it takes it at heart. It's just, it's it's how how we work. I think like science and music or science and art are very interlinked. Anyway, they're both essentially exploration. Mm. We're exploring ideas. We're exploring the world. We're exploring our reality, um, and trying to connect and make a better world. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, um, yeah, so it's just it's something that we've we've always done. Mm. I, I realise we're running short on time a little bit um, before before the show, and I know you want to go out and explore some of Portsmouth before mm. the show tonight. Um, uh, but make sure you wear your coat. Um, yes, yes, it's cold, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is quite chilly. Um, one one more thing I wanted to put to you. So yesterday we recorded our albums of the year special, um, and there are a couple of albums on the list. Uh, that kind of uh, are very sort of um, I suppose politically charged also like quite socially charged as mm-hmm. well and I've always respected the uh, the social political power of, of music and art and I think Shikari was on the first bands to do that especially when I heard songs like Fanfare for the Conscious Man right um, but I've always been quite ashamed of the fact that for some reason my uh, in my head, I don't have the sort of retention. You were saying about terrible memory earlier, to to feel like uh, and the confidence to feel like I can have a really informed conversation about the important topics, politics, the environment, yeah. and uh, you know, especially in the last couple of le- years with the post Me Too movement and all of that. But I, I saw um, I saw a film this year. I don't know if you got a chance to go to the cinema and see it called Black Klansman. 
the, oh, no, the, I haven't um, yet. I really the, want to, yeah. the Spike Lee film. And I am repeating myself from the Albums of the Year special, but I'm going to fucking say it anyway. Yeah. Um, and it was released to sort of coincide with the one-year anniversary of the Charlottesville attacks and the, the sort of message of the movie. It's not really a spoiler alert. It's kind of the parallels between what happened in the 70s, this true story of this black cop in sort of America trying to take down the KKK by yeah. going undercover. Um, and there were loads of parallels between what's going on then and what's going on now, Trump and the Charlottesville attacks. And I walked out of the cinema in tears and really angry. And that was kind of, I remember that film almost being like, it's stuck in my head for weeks, months mm. even, even now, um, kind of like being the starting point of, you know, look, you, you may not feel confident to have an informed conversation about the important topics, but this is, you know, where you should start to be less complacent in life and I start to become suddenly more aware of a lot of things and suddenly you know you don't have to be politically intelligent or be in the know or read the papers every day to have a moral compass mm. really um, do you feel like a lot of people have um, have become complacent today and that that's really having a um, a negative effect on the way our our generation of young people thinks about anything with politics and with the environment do you think complacency is one of the most dangerous things in the world at the moment probably sorry it's a really I mean, deep question to kind of round no, this no, off no no it's good but, man um, the, the thing is it's almost like you can't blame people to, to entering into complacency because mm. like again life is so fast paced and people just have such a hard time uh, staying afloat effectively you know like mm. providing for their own families and like looking after their themselves that it's difficult to spend time contemplating the, the broader you know wider world and the, the political landscape like I I mean I don't know I, I'm probably I'd be completely different if I wasn't in a band I think like no. I wasn't I didn't really grow up that political like I went it was only when things like affected me so I went on a march when I was very young when we our local hospital closed you know sort of very obvious things mm. like a hospital closing what why yeah that's ridiculous um and so it people yeah people just sort of go through their lives and it's hard enough just to get up to to go to a, a job that you know effectively what 50% of people probably don't enjoy the jobs that they, mm. they do um so just doing that and dealing with your own mental health and making sure you've got enough money to pay the bills and all this kind of shit is hard enough and then especially in the, in the current sort of political climate it's just fucking depressing mm, so that for people so, yes. to like contemplate broader themes uh, that's a big big ask mm. um, so it's like it's, it's very understandable why complacency comes into it and also people still feel powerless um Obviously, it's a very different landscape now. It's not like people can say, uh, you know, the the main two political parties are the same. They're they're completely different. Um, so it's not like we're not as powerless as we perhaps were when it was like, you know, the uh, South Park did it, didn't they? Voting between a, a giant douche and a turd sandwich. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's different. At least we have a choice now. Um, but you know, especially on on a local scale, um, like local politics, politics, especially in the UK, mm. is just like disintegrated, and it's just 
it's very hard to to feel in touch with yeah. with things. So so it's difficult. Like mm. I I don't know what the answer is there. I think like the generation that's coming up now it does feel very in touch socially like in, in like social norms are changing our language is, is changing you know like identity politics has become like incredibly important and that's oh, massively that's had so. some very positive effects and has some very negative effects mm. as, as well um, so you know, yeah it's, it's a difficult one like every few months wild things are happening mm. on, on a global scale so it's just yeah, it's just this barrage, and I think a lot of people just can't, don't have the time or the the patience <laughs> to, yeah. to sort of deal with it. Or even, um, you know, like my my issue, the memory and the retention of, of mm. being feeling confident to go into a, a sort of informed conversation about it. Well, I think that that's frustrating, and I think the way that social media has has laid down the landscape that has made us fearful of yeah. debate and and discussion is really frustrating because mm. you know now you, you you say some view maybe it was half thought maybe it it has some flaws in it but if you say a view you're going to be uh, you're going to you know, get grilled for it exactly you know? straight yeah, away and there's no there's no room for discussion or like oh have you thought about this or you know maybe you know it's all in very bad taste it's all yeah. you know very, people are overly harsh like count, cancel culture outrage culture all this yeah. kind of thing is, is playing and it's and now you know, debate and discussion. Di- no discourse, I think, is a better word than debate because debate still implies that it's a competition that someone's yeah. going to win the debate, which is stupid. You what you want is for people to understand each other's ideas yeah. and therefore work to how how we can understand each yeah. other and therefore work to 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 better uh, whatever it is we're trying to better. Um, so yeah, it's it's a difficult one. It's, yeah, it's frustrating. Well, oh, no, thank you for. for um, uh, for your for your time today, I, I usually okay. I don't like do uh, an outro. I sort of just cut it where cool. it feels good to cut it. But yeah, um, you know, before I do stop recording, I just you know I, I want to say while staying professional, um, and Shikari is a band that's been very close to my heart for for twelve years now. Amazing. Um, and I just want to say that it's been an absolute pleasure sitting here and chatting with you today and thank you for no, being, likewise, man. being on Bitch and Brew and, and making oh, this good. a wonderful experience. Thank you for having me. It's oh, been no. fun. And happy new year to you. Yes, you too. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, buddy. I told you I got gushy. I just I couldn't help it. It was so brilliant. That was Bitch and Brew, episode number thirty four with Raul Reynolds from Enter Shikari. Um, thank you to Raul for being so kind and hospitable and, and, and really genuine and honest in the 40 minutes that I spent in his glorious company. Um, go and see Enter Shikari on their Stop the Clocks headline tour. It starts tonight, and by tonight I mean the 10th of January 2019 in Sheffield. Um, then it goes to Nottingham, London, Leicester, Clandudno. Uh, Liverpool, all, all the L's in one go. Um, Bristol, that's not beginning with an L, that begins with a B. Um, Southend on Sea, Norwich, Glasgow, Aberdeen, Inverness, Preston, Northampton, 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 that's meant to be. 
Then Southampton, uh, Cambridge, Birmingham, Leeds, Manchester, and finally Newcastle. Uh, Then the tour goes over to Russia, uh, the Ukraine, Belarus, throughout mainland Europe uh, in March and April. It's a fucking huge tour, so there's really no excuse to miss it unless you're maybe listening to this somewhere in, you know, somewhere like Papua New Guinea, then might be a bit difficult for you to make it up to one of the dates. But um, if you are going to one of the UK dates, I would say definitely get there early for Black Peaks' set because they're fucking brilliant. End of. Just one of the best UK bands around right now, especially live. Um, go and listen to Enshikari's latest album, The Spark. It's out now on uh, PS Recordings and the band's own label, Ambush Reality. Uh, pick up the accompanying book as well, The Spark, Lyrics and Exegesis of Raoul Reynolds. Um, it's probably available either through the band's official online store or through somewhere like Amazon. Um, what I'll do is I'll find links and I'll stick all of them in the description uh, for this episode. Um, and something I totally forgot to mention at the start of the episode and I didn't know about until after uh, we recorded, so I didn't really get much of a chance to uh, to ask Raoul about this, or any chance really, but... Um, they are bringing out not one but two live albums it's crazy they're bringing them out on uh the most beautiful uh splatter vinyl um double lp gatefold uh the first one is live at alexandra palace um in london which we spoke about obviously in the chat um and the other is a special recording of their take to the sky celebration which was recorded in moscow uh, they're both out on february 15th um the vinyl for each of them i mean the the alexandra palace one i've got it in front of me at the moment not the vinyl just a picture of it but um most amazing sort of red splatter on on a on a cream vinyl from the looks of things and then um like a uh, an awesome green splatter on the on the Moscow one. I think you can buy bundles to get both of the records and uh, digital copies of the albums as well, as well as um, uh, USB sticks with the video recordings of the show. There's loads of um, really cool bundles and uh, ways to get your hands on both of those live albums. Live at Alexandra Palace 2 and live in Moscow, Take to the Skies. Uh, they are both out February 15th. Uh, 2019, which it is now. Now, the year is 2019, so they're out next month. So, that's the first episode of Bitch and Brew for 2019 in the bag, and, well, what a start. I know I know I've said it already, but I'm just flabbergasted that I got someone like Raoul on board, um, especially for the first episode of the year. I think it sets the bar quite high, but I think it says a lot about how awesome this year will hopefully be for the podcast. Um, again, I know I keep saying it, but uh, if you like this episode um, and you haven't done so yet, then please subscribe to Bitch and Brew. Uh, we go out on four platforms. We go out on Apple Podcasts, we go out on SoundCloud, uh, Spotify and Acast. I know that it goes out on a few other platforms as well. Whatever your platform is for listening to podcasts, I'm sure Bitch and Brew is on there. Go and give it a listen um, and a subscribe and go and tell your friends. Uh, I'm on the you know usual social media platforms, Facebook and uh, Twitter, at Bitch and Brewcast. Um, same for Instagram as well, Bitch and Brewcast. Uh, it's a slightly more complicated um, URL for Facebook because they wouldn't allow bitching in it. Because thanks, Facebook, you pricks. Um, so I'll leave links in the description as ever. Um, 
In the meantime, I've been uh, busy brainstorming loads of cool ideas for Bitch and Brew for the coming weeks uh, and months. Uh, potentially some stuff that steps outside the norm for this podcast. So stay tuned and I will tell you more um, if and when I survive this man flu. Um, oh, one more thing. Something I want to do more of on Bitch and Brew uh, this year is track premieres. And I've done it a few times. I had that brilliant sibling track premiere a few episodes ago. Um... If you are in a band, uh, like a new band, and you've just gone into a studio for the first time, maybe you've recorded your debut EP or album, and uh, you're trying to look to get some exposure for it, you, you want to be like one of those bands who says, oh, tune into, tune into the radio to hear our new song, but you don't necessarily know how to reach that opportunity, then you know I want to be able to offer you that. I want you to be able to say, yeah, you can check out our new song, it's... It's playing on the best podcast in the world, Bitch and Brew. Maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but, you know, I want to give you that platform, and I love playing new music all the time on Bitch and Brew. So if that is something that uh, is relevant to your interests, um, then hit me up over email. I'll put the email address uh, in the in the description once again. Thanks a lot for listening, folks. Um, I'm Danny Randon. This is the Bitch and Brew podcast, and you've been fucking awesome. Peace out. Oh,